Turn up your volume. Your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked the young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group, driven to be different. TV. embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Matt O'Han with you on this Friday evening on the Sick Podcast. Let's take care of some business before we jump into today's show. Uh, the Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Energy Transportation Group have been named by the Financial Times as one of the America's fastest growing companies in 2023 and have been recognized by the Globe and Mail as a top growing Canadian company for two years in a row. They work with some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies providing end-to-end logistics services. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. We're also brought to you by Playground with over 30,000 feet of new gaming, dining, and entertainment space. It's time to reacquaint yourself with Playground. World-class sushi, AAA steaks, live shows, and a brand new poker floor, and so much more. Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal, Playground. Experience the strip without the trip. And by Lepita TB Beer, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards, Lepita TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. Lepita TB, embrace your true nature. And finally, we're excited to welcome Accent Assurance as a new sponsor of the Sick Podcast. You know all insurance isn't created equal, and you know where to find the right solution for you. Accent Insurance. Accent doesn't sell insurance. They shop insurance for you to find the right product, right on the money, whatever your insurance needs, home, auto, or business. Call the Accent team today at 514-363-3636 and get the right solution at the right price. Visit their website at accentassurance.com. Uh, okay, so exciting game last night. The storylines heading into last night's game were very exciting because it was obviously uh, one of many returns to the Bell Center for Patrick Waugh. So uh, the crowd was very excited by that. He was not so excited by that, uh, by the look on his face uh, every time they showed him on the Jumbotron. Um, and then the game started. What an exciting game for the in the first period if you're a Canadiens fan. Game died down in the second period. Third period, pretty boring up until uh, Brendan Gallagher does something incredibly stupid. And then uh, Islanders tie the game. Sean Monaghan wins it for the Canadians. Um, Got to be honest with you guys. This one is to accommodate my schedule. Uh, this is a pre-recorded episode. So the latest thing that we know is that Brendan Gallagher is going to have a phone hearing with the NHL's player safety department, uh, which means a maximum of five games. So we don't obviously have that news yet of what the actual suspension will be, but we do know that there will be a phone hearing. With me today, as he usually is every Friday, is Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette. Stu, how are we doing? I'm doing well, and probably get, Brendan Gallagher is probably doing a little better this morning than he thought he might be because uh, it's only a phone hearing, and that's probably because he doesn't have any history of uh, he's never been suspended before. But that was a brutal cheap shot elbow to the head. It was it was ugly, and you know Adam Pellich missed 21 games last season with a concussion, and I don't think there's any doubt he has a concussion now. I mean, his eyes when he got up, he didn't know where he was or what day it was. It was just that glassy look that you see when a boxer gets knocked out cold. 
I don't know if something happened earlier in the game between those guys. I didn't notice anything, but it certainly looked like it was a premeditated and intentional elbow to the head right at center ice, right in the open, and with the Canadians leading 3-1. And as you said, it was a, a really dumb play by a veteran player, and it almost cost them the game. I mean, uh, Brendan Gallagher should be taking Sean Monaghan out for a couple of really nice dinners because uh, Monaghan saved his butt by scoring that winning goal, except the Islanders have come back and won that game. It was just, it was really bizarre. And, and I'm wondering if I, you know, I think Brendan Gallagher might be getting frustrated. You know, things aren't going well for him this season. He's healthy. He's not scoring. He's struggling on the ice. Uh, he might be realizing that he just doesn't have it anymore. It's, it's The effort's always there, but the results aren't. And maybe it was just a case of frustration. Maybe something happened earlier in the game, but it's inexcusable. And it was just stupid, like for so many reasons. One, in, intentionally injuring a player. Two, almost costing your team the game. And it just uh, it was really bizarre and sort of out of character for, for Brendan Gallagher. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the suspension is. As you said, it won't be more than five games. I think it should be five games. Um, but it, it, was, it, was, it was brutal. I think uh, the entire – just looking at the initial reaction online, uh, listening to you know live radio and even some TV segments, it's just like the reaction is unanimous of mm-hmm. I can't believe that that's only a phone hearing. Yeah. Like that is a unanimous reaction across mm-hmm. all fan bases, including Montreal's. Uh, you know, across all of the uh, sports media members. I-, I couldn't believe it. Like, I'll be honest, I was at the game and I was like looking away from the play. I'm, uh, my- maybe I was on my phone or something. And I just hear like the crowd make uh, the, oh, and then, um, you know, I see a player down on the ice. So I go on Twitter to see the, the hit. And like, I'm just like, what even in the game sparked that? Because it wasn't exactly, you know, it's a physical game. It's between two physical teams, but it, it wasn't like uh, there was bad blood pushing and shoving up to that point. It was pretty, uh, it was pretty shocking and confusing to say the least. It was. And, it, you know, the fact that it's only a phone hearing just highlights again how the NHL and Gary Bettman don't really take headshots that seriously. And, you know, I tweeted last night, you know, there should be a suspension, but who knows? George Paros, uh, the head of player safety, might say it's a hockey play. You know, it's it's you've got a guy who used to get paid to beat people up on the ice in charge of player safety, which makes no sense to me. But you never know what's going to happen with – you never know what's going to happen with video review on goal interference in the NHL. You never know what's going to happen with player safety. Uh, there will be some kind of suspension, I'm sure, after this phone hearing. Um, but, like, those hits, those are – that's – the textbook example of hits that you want to get out of hockey. That was a headhunting, premeditated, intentional-looking blow to the head to injure a player. And and it certainly looks like Pelic is pretty seriously injured. As I said, when he got up, he had no idea where he was. Yeah, and, you know, it, it happened, uh, you know, even behind the play a little bit. You know, it's fat, hockey's fast, so it yeah. happened kind of behind the play. And you know what? Good on the refs. Good on the refs for stopping yep. the game. And and reviewing that mm-hmm. and, and then deciding it was a match penalty because, I mean, uh, you know, in, in years past, you know, it's they missed the call, they missed the call, and Gallagher's going to deal yeah. with it later. Yeah, that's one of the smart uses of video replay. I mean, I'm, I'm I think the NHL would be better off if they got rid of video replay. I think it's it sort of ruined the game unless it's for the puck crossing the line. But a situation like that is also good because, as you say, the right it happens so fast. It looked like an elbow right away when I'm watching it from the press box. And then when we saw the, the replay, I was like, oh, my God. It was like the, the you could see the elbow come yeah. up and go right into his head. So good to get on the rest for taking another look. I think I think it was going to be a major anyway. Like, I think their call on the ice was going to be a major, and they just wanted to confirm it. And the video definitely confirmed that it was a major in a game misconduct. Yeah, and, and it's just crazy because up until that point, I mean – you know, the Islanders were, were coming on, you know, they were kind of dominating the game from a shot perspective. Um, but, you know, Montembeau was standing tall and it looked like the Canadians were going to, you know, they had to work for it. But it looked like it was going to be like a stress-free win for the Canadians, just with the way it was going. Like, I never got a sense that the the Islanders, even after they made it 3-1, I never got a sense that they were going to come back and win the game up until that penalty. Yeah, and the fact the Canadians, <clears throat> their PK is so bad. Like, 
it makes it even worse to take that kind of a penalty. I mean, I was joking last night. I mean, uh, uh, their PK looks like the Washington Generals when they're playing, so supposedly playing defense against the Harlem Globetrotters, right? They just let them do whatever they want and sort of pretend they're playing defense. And, you know, I asked Marty St. Louis after the game last night, you know, do you, he talked about how trying to keep guys to the outside and not let them go to their go-to play. But, I mean, the Islanders looked like they were doing basically whatever they wanted on the power play. And I said, you know, do you wish your power play was a little bit more aggressive? And he said, yeah, and, you know, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an ongoing process with the PK. Uh, sorry, PK, I think it's a power play report. It's an ongoing process with the PK and power play, and they're going to watch stuff. And, you know, if you're too aggressive, then there's breakdowns. But they got to be more aggressive than they are. I mean, they're basically four guys standing in a box just watching the other team pass the puck around. And that's fine if you, you do keep them to the outside, but they're also getting into the inside for great scoring chances. And, you know, Sam Montembeau was great last night. But even he couldn't stop all the chances that the Islanders were getting on the power play, and especially during that uh, five-minute major with, with Gallagher sitting in the box. So the PK has been, you know, the power play gets most of the focus from Canadians fans about how bad it is, but the PK is even worse right now. It's it's they got to do something. I mean, you watch other teams come into the Bell Center, and they're much more aggressive. Like they don't let guys just stand around with the puck and look for plays. Somebody goes after them and sort of forces them to make a play and makes them hurry up. It's almost. You know, it almost looks like it's a practice for the power play practice for the visiting team when they come to the power play, uh, when they come to uh, the Bell Center on the power play, and the Canes PK just stands around and watches them. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because a lot of people have qualms with the power play. Scored two goals on the power play last night. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of them, let's we'll, – we'll move to the positives. Uh, Nick Suzuki's goal was uh, – was one of the nicer power play goals I think the Canadians have scored in a while. Yeah. And just what it's it's a nice set play, but what a last touch pass by Uri Slavkovsky over to Nick Suzuki to just to finish that off. And it really seems like uh, you know, after a, what was really a tough week for the Canadians, uh, PR-wise, just because, you know, of how badly they played against Boston and then their response against Ottawa was to get blown out of your own building. And in a lifeless game, uh, it was pretty tough for the Canadians. And even on that goal by Nick Suzuki, you could kind of tell on their face, like, we got to do more. Like, that yeah. was – this is nothing because uh, they kind of celebrated as if they were just – as if they just scored and to make it 6-1, to one, not to make it one nothing. Yeah, and that Cole Caulfield goal was a highlight reel goal too. That was a beautiful oh, yeah. goal. And then, you know, oh, yeah. two goals from Sean Monaghan. I think if there was any doubt – that the Canadians would be able to get a first-round pick for Sean Monaghan at the trade deadline. Those doubts are going away pretty quick. It might be a first-rounder and something else. I mean, he's just playing some great hockey both both ways. Uh, two goals last night, you know, the, the game winner. Um, there's so much I like about Sean Monaghan's game. He hasn't missed a game this season. He's been healthy the whole time. I'm sure he's holding his breath, hoping that continues. <clears throat> it makes me wonder if he'll wait right up until the trade deadline to move him. Uh, with his history of injuries, you know, you don't want to. Worst thing that could happen to the Canes now is he gets hurt again uh, before the March eighth uh, trade deadline. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to like about the Canadians game last night, including the start. You know, they've had a history of the season of not having good starts. They jumped out three nothing. I think they fed off the ceremony from Patrick Waugh even more than the Islanders did. It was sort of cool that the Canadians put that uh, a slideshow of photos during the national anthem. I don't think anybody expected that. That was kind of cool when it came up and uh, Marty St. Louis was saying after the game, he heard the roar. He didn't know what it was about really during the anthem. He peeked up and he saw the video. And I think it was the same with Patrick Y and, Pro and Nick Suzuki said the same thing. They didn't really know what was going on, but whoever with the Canadians uh, uh, came up with that idea to do that during the anthem, I think deserves a raise. That was just a really cool way uh, to honor Patrick Y. I know he had said during his pregame news conference, he didn't want it to be about him. He wanted it to be all about the Islanders. <clears throat> and uh, he tried his best to do that. Uh, but the Canadians, I think it was a nice way to pay tribute to him. And it also, I think it startled Patrick a bit because he was really trying to focus on the game. And you could see his emotions behind the bench. At first, he was sort of trying to ignore it. And then he got a little emotional, you could see. And then he sort of nodded and waved to the fans. But, uh, you know, no team does stuff like that better than the Canadians when it comes to ceremonies and honoring uh, players coming back to the Bell Center. I thought that was a really, really cool way to do it. I think the anthem singer must have been surprised too because <laughs> you usually don't get a roar like that during the national anthem. Yeah, I know. And it's funny because I was kind of thinking that maybe there would have been some some sour grapes between the Canadians and Patrick Waugh again because, you know, he interviewed for the GM job mm -hmm. or and he didn't get it. And maybe he was a little bit of sa sour about that. 
uh, no, it's just he, you know, he didn't know that he didn't know what was going on. Uh, you know, you would think that the Canadians, like while they do it the best, people don't love surprise. A lot of people yeah. don't love surprises. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, maybe just tell them. Maybe but just tell them. They've, they've kissed and made up. Uh, I mean, Arpin Basswood is throwing the athletic that, uh, you know, usually the visiting coach has to walk across the ice before the game to get to the bench. And Patrick asked the Canadians if he could use their runway by their locker room so he wouldn't have to go across the ice and there wouldn't be the big roar when he came up and would sort of be a more quiet thing. And they allowed him to do that, but then they oh, caught him off guard with the uh, <laughs> with, with, with the national anthem stuff. And as I say, you know, the Canadians do, do that stuff so well. And Patrick didn't want it to be about him, but, I mean, the column I wrote yesterday – he, it's impossible for Patrick Watt not yeah. to be in the spotlight when he comes to Montreal. And, you know, you mentioned that Canes have kissed and made up with him. And even Mario Trombley, they did that uh, Uber Eats commercial or whatever it was together oh, yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. And even, you know, with P.K. Subban. I mean, they brought P.K. Subban back to the Bell Centre last year and, and honoured him. So it seems like uh, this new management team has done a lot of good when it comes to um, Kissing and making up with some of the older players and and just the alumni in general. I mean, Mark Bergevin shunned the alumni. He didn't want them anywhere around the team. He didn't want them anywhere around the players. And that's really changed with Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes. I mean, I've spoken with Rick Green and Chris Nyland and a few of the other um, alumni guys. And like you said, they said, it's nice to feel welcome again at the Bell Center. And Patrick Wall was certainly welcome back last night. Well, you know, it's important because uh... – it's you don't want to you have to strike the perfect balance because like you don't want to like be too hung up on the past yeah but it's important to to understand the heritage of the team and the history of the team because of what it means to the city so you got to really strike that perfect balance because you always want to be looking towards the future but the you have to know the reason why it's so important like you're not playing in sunrise florida you're playing in Montreal, Quebec, where the, there's just, you know, over 100 years of history uh, following this team. So it's important. And, and like you said, that's just something that, you know, was not really well done by Mark Bergevin for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, you look at the way the Yankees honor their former players, right? And the Canadians are up there with the Yankees as far as when it comes with hockey. And, you know, Chris Nyland has told me, that, you know, when he came up and he was a, a young player with the Canadians, he said, you know, Dickie Moore would walk in the locker room after a game or Jean Beliveau would walk in the locker room after a game or Henri Richard. And he said it was so cool, like, just to be close to those guys. And, you know, there's only four guys on the Canadians who were even born when Patrick Wall won the Cup in 93. But they know who he is, right? They know the, the legend of him. And so, I, like, I've never understood, like, what's the harm of having these guys around? And I think with Mark Bergeron, it was just his insecurity. I think he was insecure about having guys around him. The same way Michel Termian was insecure about possibly having Larry Robinson as assistant coach, which is why Robinson didn't get the job and J.J. Daniel did, even though Robinson had no interest in being head coach of the Canadians. He didn't want to deal with the media. He just wanted to come be an assistant coach, work with the defenseman, and go home after the game, not have to talk to people like you and I. Um, but for Jeff Gorton and Kent Hughes and Marty Saint Louis, they're confident guys. They're they're confident men, and they have no problem, and they enjoy having these guys around the Bell Center again. Well, and they know they know how important it is. I mean, Kent Hughes, you know, I mean, not that Mark Bird. I don't know Mark Bergevin grew up a Canadians fan, but you kind of lose that when you play in the NHL, and then you, uh, you know, you have allegiances to different teams. You know, you don't really care about your childhood team anymore. Kent Hughes grew up a Montreal Canadiens fan. You know, yeah. he grew up in Beaconsfield. Yeah. He knows what it means. He watched all those stats. Oh, yeah. He remembers Patrick Rod winning the cup. He remembers back in the glory days also, uh, you know, the late 70s. And, and again, it, it's, you know, I've, I've spoken with Chris Nyland about this, and he says, you know, I'm not going and telling these guys what to do. You know, if Barbara Jack guy comes to him and asks him for some tips on fighting or whatever, Chris will give it to him. But, he, you know, says, we're not there looking to tell these guys what to do. They're just, they, they it's just nice to feel welcome back at the Bell Center. I mean, they have that alumni lounge, which is right near the media room, and you see the guys going in there and coming out uh, after the game. And, and you know, Rajon Houle's the uh, head of the alumni, so say he's always there. He sort of hosts all the old players. And it's just they're, they just make them feel welcome coming back to the Bell Center. The guys who are playing now see that and probably think to themselves, boy, when I'm done, I'm going to be welcome back here also. Right? So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's again, I never understood uh, Mark Bergeron's philosophy of shunning the old timers, and it was just a case of his insecurity. So uh, let's get back to Sean Monahan because, like you said, um, there's uh, there's no doubt now. I mean, there can't yeah. be. It, no. It's there's got to be at this point. 
some sort of bidding war because he's on pace if he you know plays the full 82 he's going to be just a shade under 60 points yeah uh any team going on a cup run and i don't know about i don't know about you but to me it kind of feels like there's no team that i'm like looking at them and i'm like this team's going to win it all like it's no. it's there's no clear cut favorite right now mm-hmm. obviously you could go with how teams are playing and it would obviously be the Edmonton Oilers they won 15 in a row but then again we always know what happens to them in the playoffs oh. so any Boston, the year Boston lost what 10 games or whatever all year and then got wiped out in the first round so exactly so any team could use a 50 slash 60 point player mm-hmm. come playoff time just that boost of offense uh inserted into their lineup um, not just a 56 point player, 50 or 60 point player, also, also a great role model in the locker room, a great guy yeah. that has players all love him. One of the best face off guys in the NHL can play on all four lines, can kill penalties, can play the power play. Like he fits, fills so many holes on a team that wants to make a run for the Stanley Cup. And with Kent Hughes, it's all about asset management. He's going to end up getting two first-round picks for Sean Monaghan. He got one uh, in 2025 when he got him, brought him in from Calgary, and he's going to get another one now. And I, I'm, as I said, it's going to be a first-round pick plus to get Sean Monaghan because there will definitely be a bidding war for him. Well, that's the thing. And I, I really – I wouldn't be surprised. Like, this might be crazy, but I really wouldn't be surprised if he ended up with – two first round picks or a first round pick and a second round pick. Because yeah. if you're, if you're a team that really believes you're going to win the Stanley cup or that you have a very good shot at it and you need a third center uh, that could kill penalties that could, you know, if someone goes down, you could, you, you could put them on the power play. You could play them up in the lineup. You could play them down in the lineup. Like this is the prototypical perfect player to be added as a rental you you need to add this guy if you want to join if you want to uh if you want to make a run and i don't really know of any other rentals out there that you know are putting up the offensive numbers that Sean Monahan is i can see it being a first round pick and as opposed to a second pick a, a prospect like maybe a young center 22 yeah. 21 22 23 who maybe hasn't worked out the way expected on that team who can come in here and get a chance to play like what they've done with Kirby Doc and what they do with Alex Newhook. And, and I think that's sort of the way um, Ken Hughes goes. It's like the first round pick and then he wants a prospect, somebody who's a little further advanced than an 18 year old kid coming out of the draft, somebody who could play for the team now and hopefully improve and get better over the next year or two. Yeah. I, it's really, it's unbelievable the asset management that he's been pulling off, especially mm-hmm. with Sean Monahan, because uh, I remember, you know, we all said it last year. It was kind of like, you know, the Canadians fans and, and people covering the team were a little disappointed with how that season ended for Sean Monahan because of all the injury trouble. And it was kind of a wasted opportunity because we knew everyone knew last year with the way he was playing that, he, you know, he probably would have fetched a first round pick. Yeah. Um, and he might get another first round pick for David Savard. I mean, it's, he's got, there you go. And, and you know, there'll be there'll be a bit of a bidding war for David Savard, I would think too, as a veteran guy, good guy in the room, kills penalties, can play minutes, a physical guy, is not fun to play against. Um, yeah, so Kent Hughes is going to be really interesting to see what happens between uh, now and March eighth. Yeah, I'm excited to see what's going on, uh, what those phone calls are like, because really, it's even you know in years past, the Canadians never really had a guy that was like an impact player um that like you know they had a couple of guys like they got a good good uh they got a good return on Arturi Lekkanen but like all due respect to Arturi Lekkanen great player he's not a 60 point guy no you know like this is this is like a big deal the only other one you know on the top of people's lists are uh it's uh Elias Lindholm I'm seeing um, don't really, well, it's cause Calgary, you know, they're, you know, whittling away in the standings. So he's obviously a great player, but other than Elias Lindholm, when it comes to offensive mm-hmm. talent, it, it's, it's Sean Monahan. He's right up there and it's, it's going to be, uh, it's exciting times for Canadians fans because, uh, you know, again, rough week for the Canadians. Um, a lot of people are fed up with the, with the rebuild, um, and are fed up with the way in which the Canadians are losing. 
Like we've said over and over again, this is what it is. There's going to yeah, be rebuild take time. <clears throat> Canadian fans have been hollering forever. It seems like, and Tony leading the call, you know, for a rebuild, a full rebuild. And now that one's finally here, people think it's going to work overnight. It doesn't. You know, it does. It's not going to work overnight. It's this is only year two of a rebuild. You got to figure it's like a five year plan. So the Habs fans have to be patient. They've been surprisingly patient through the first year. Now people are getting a little. I think the fact that the Canadians were near, a, you know, they were like three or four points out of a wild card yeah. spot at the, the midway point, I think, got people maybe a little excited. But the, the management team isn't focused on this season and getting into the playoffs. They're focused on down the road. And, um, you know, with Monaghan, I mean, there's no doubt now, I don't think that Monaghan will be traded. I mean, Darren Jurger had that original report that it was a handshake agreement between Kent Hughes and Monaghan that at the deadline he would move him to a contending team. And then Kent didn't shoot that down at all when he was asked about it during his midseason news conference. So I don't think there's any doubt that Sean Monaghan will be moved. And I don't think you, you know, if you're going to get a first round pick and something for Sean Monaghan, you jump at it. Like um, there's no, no hesitation. Uh, he does have that in injury history, the same as Brandon Gallagher had as an injury history. And, you know, if he gets hurt or if he struggles down the road, but it's, as you said, that's why he's sort of a perfect rental for a team, right? It's just this season. It's a one-year contract. You pick him up, and you hope he helps your team win a Stanley Cup. And then, if you want to keep him in the off season, you try and re-sign him. And if it doesn't work out, then he leaves. So it's uh, uh, again, Ken Hughes has set himself up really well going into this trade deadline. He's also got 22 draft picks in the next two years. He's got three goalies, so you can combine all those things in, in combination deals. You know, uh, uh, Jake Allen and a pick and something for something. You know, he's got a lot of a lot of. Uh, cards you can play uh, ahead of the trade deadline. Yeah, it's it's exciting. It's, it's exciting to see, especially just, you know, it's like we've said, these things take time. And, you know, I'm, I'm someone who just gets fed up when I see performances like Tuesday. That's when it's yeah. like, that's when yeah. to me, like that's unacceptable. Yeah, but th I think that's the case though. It's a young team. I think that's tired. I think they're getting like I think they're really looking forward to that break next week. I think they're you know they're they they've competed hard all season. They don't have the talent. They have to work so hard to win hockey games. And I think they've just reached the point. Uh, you know, Marty St. Louis practices are grinding. Also, I think they're just a tired team, <clears throat> a young tired team that's really looking forward to that break. And it'll be interesting to see how they come out after the break. But it's uh, you know where they are. They've hovered around five hundred and while missing Kirby Doc and while missing Newhook and while missing David Savard for 20 games and Jordan Harris was hurt. They've had a lot of – their PK isn't very good. Their power play isn't very good. But they've still hovered around the 500, and that's basically comes from the effort level of the players. And you're right. The effort level has dropped off a little bit recently. Uh, they bounced back against the Islanders. They've, they've been able to bounce back. They haven't won more than two games in a row all year, but they haven't lost more than four. So they've, they're – they have an ability to, when you just think, okay, the ship's sinking and this is going to get real ugly, they come back and they jump out 3 nothing like they did last night against the Islanders. So the, the compete level is still there. They still want to play for Marty Singoui. But I think they're just, I think they're a tired team and they're really looking forward to having that break. And, you know, with, with regards to last night, I, I really, <laughs> with the way the Canadians started, you'd have to think that, like, Martin St. Louis, you know, knew, obviously knew, he knows his opponents, but, like, he knew Patrick Wall is coming to town. He knew Patrick. He knows Patrick Wall loves to win more yep. than anything in the world. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Or he probably, he probably hates to lose more. He probably hates to lose more than he loves yeah. to win. Yeah, yeah. And like Patrick Wall probably wanted that one. Like, back. oh yeah, he wanted that. Oh yeah, one he didn't. I mean, I I imagine there was money on the board or something uh, he had up there. But the thing that impressed me yesterday about Patrick is that you know he said when he got the job that he had been humbled by being out of the NHL for so long. And when he left Colorado, he thought the phone would ring and he'd get another job. It didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, after winning the Memorial Cup with the Ramparts, he figured the phone would ring and it didn't. And he's, you know, he was asked yesterday about uh, controlling his emotions during the game, uh, before the game, how he controlled his emotions mm -hmm. last night. He said, well, I'm going to try my best, but I'm not always good at it. <laughs> and that's that's the story of Patrick Waugh. Um, but he's he's... He seemed like a more humble guy. Like just the news conference, he didn't want it to be about him at all. Um, you know, when they were down three nothing, he called the timeout. He wasn't screaming and ranting at the players. Yep. He was talking to them. And after the game, 
when he was asked about it. So I was just trying to get them mentally focused. We've talked about mental focus. It's a big part of this team we're working on, and they, they've lost it a little bit, and he just wanted them to calm down. And he said, we're down 3 nothing. Let's get out of this period down 3 nothing at the worst. Like, let's not give up another goal. Let's just get out of this period. And they did. And then they fought back. And, uh, you know, when I'm talking about guys wanting to play for Marty St. Louis, guys want to play for Patrick Watt, too. He has that instant credibility. He walks into a locker room, right, with these young guys, the same way Marty St. Louis did. So it, it just he just seemed much more humble than he has been in the past. You know, I interviewed Larry Robinson this week. And uh, he has a history with Lou Lamorello. He coached there for eight years at the Devils. They won a Stanley Cup together when Larry was the head coach. And Larry told me, he said that Lou Lamorello was like a second father to him. Like any problems I had with the team, off the ice, anything, he was the guy I went to talk to. And I asked Patrick during his news conference, do you think it's a similar relationship you'll have with Lou Lamorello? Like, is he the guy who might be able to calm Patrick down? You know, it's not easy. Is he the guy who might be able to calm Patrick down? And I think he might be because of the – history and reputation Lou Lamorello has because of the reason nobody was calling him for so long. And then Lou Lamorello did. Um, so I think Patrick has realized that like he wanted to, he, he wanted to run everything right. When he was in Colorado, he wanted to be the GM. He wanted to be the coach. He wanted to be the mm. president. He wanted to be everything. And that's one of the reasons why I think the Canadians never hired him here is because he would just want to do everything. And I think he's realized now you're the coach, you coach. That's, your job is to coach. That's all. And uh, I think he's probably finally figured that out. You know, with the Ramparts, he was owner, GM, coach. It was his team. He ran the show. But I think he's realized now for him to have continue to be a coach in the NHL, he has to just focus on coaching. You know, you have a say. I mean, Marty Stanley was asked this week, you know, what kind of a say he has in roster moves that the Canadians make. You know, there's been so many moves recently. Jack guy going down and guys being put on waivers and whatnot. And he said, well, I meet with – Gordon and Hughes and I talk with them and I give them my ideas. I have a little a say in it, but at the end of the day, they make the final decision on who's getting traded or who's going down. So Patrick needs to realize that's going to be the same thing in New Jersey. He can suggest things to Lou Lamorello. He can see, suggest players who maybe aren't fitting in uh, guys who maybe should be down. But at the end of the day, it's Lou Lamorello's decision. And if Patrick disagrees with the decision, okay, you just got to move on and focus on coaching again. Well, that's it. That, and you said it perfectly, like he wanted to run the show. And I think another thing in terms of maturing, like why the phone wasn't, he had to have known that the phone wasn't going to be, you know, ringing after, you know, like you said, he wanted to run the show in Colorado, but he quit on the team. Yeah. You know, and he put them in a bind, like unexpectedly. And like six weeks before I, the season too. I, I don't know Joe Sackick well, but I've spoken with people who do. And they say, if you can't get along with Joe Sackick, you can't get along with anybody. And, you know, Sackick and Wall were teammates together and he couldn't get, they couldn't see eye to eye. And Patrick, you know, the same way he left the Canadians abruptly. I, I've played my last game for the Canadians. I'm done. That's the same way he left Colorado. And that was many years later. So he hadn't learned his lesson. It's still that, those emotions that as he sort of joked last night, I try to control them. I'm not always good at it. He's got to get a lot better at controlling those emotions. And the Patrick I saw yesterday in the news conference behind the bench, he seems like a changed guy. How long that'll last, we'll see. I mean, it's, you know, but but he's he's older, he's mature. I think as we all get older, we get a little smarter. Maybe we realize some of the dumber things we did in our youth and we try and correct them. Uh, but, again, I think it's a good fit. And, you know, the other thing he mentioned, and I had forgotten about this, Jacques Lemaire is also part of the Islanders staff. He's a special assignments coach. Uh, mm -hmm. So he's surrounded by former Canadians. Uh, he's not in the same bright spotlight he would have been if he was coaching the Canadians. Uh, the Islanders are sort of, you know, the second or third or team. He, he, yeah, well, that's it. Even if he was coaching the Rangers, uh, he'd be exactly, exactly. coaching the Rangers, coaching the Islanders are two different things. So the spotlight's not going to be as bright as it would have been in Montreal. And I think that'll be good for Patrick. Uh, and again, I think that's why, you know, see people on social media, last oh, the Kings should have hired Patrick and they should bring Patrick back. But the spotlight's just too big for him here. I don't think it would have worked for him here as a coach with the Canadians. But I think New York's a really good spot for him. As, as you say, Islanders instead of the Rangers. Yeah, well, that's it. And, you know, I think there is space for a coach to, like, blow a gasket like he did you know, that famous clip where he's shoving the boards uh, into Boost Brujo. Like, I don't mind that, really. Like, if you – but that's – That was a junior thing. hockey move, though. That's a junior so, hockey coach move. That's not I, an NFL. So I agree, but I think that's more 
like a card to play. Like you can't, you can only do that once. That's yeah. like calling your team soft. Yeah. You can only do that one time. And I'm okay with it. Like I'm not, I don't want to see every coach yeah. do that, but you know, it's Patrick Waugh. It's mm-hmm. fine. But that it's like you said, how long will it last? Because yeah. the Islanders are, you know, they, they had to hire a new coach for a reason. Yeah. Uh, they're not, they're, they're down in the standings. They're way below expectations. They're in the race. They're in mm-hmm. the hunt. But, uh, Listen, they just lost to the Montreal Canadiens yesterday. So they're in the hunt, but they needed a change. And, you know, if things get really tough, that's when you're, I think, we'll see the real Patrick. That That's yeah. when it's – because right now it's, a, you know, he's, what, two, three games in? Yeah, it's one win, two losses so far. And you mentioned yesterday that, you know, th- this was a four-point game for the Islanders and they're in a playoff hunt and it was a loss. They dropped from, I think, two points out of a wild-card spot to four points out, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and to get into the playoffs. So if the playoffs start slipping away more, we'll see how Patrick uh, reacts. But I'm sure Lou Blamorello and him had a long conversation, and they obviously want to get in the playoffs this year. Uh, but there's a longer-term plan, I'm sure, in place also. So as I said, I think I think Lou Lamorello is a, a really good guy to sort of uh, calm Patrick down when he has to be calmed down. And if he doesn't, I mean, if he pulls another thing like he did in Colorado, the phone won't ring again for a very long time. Mm -hmm. You know, just a quick uh, funny story about Lou Lamorello is that uh, this is some of my one of my friends. He worked in a hockey agency. Um, I forget the name of it. But anyways, it was it was it's a very big agency. It's the same agency that Tom Wilson's a part of. Uh, Oh, my God, it's killing me, though. You you probably know who it is. Montrealer is leads the firm. It's in Toronto. Um, It's not the Donnie Meehan? Yeah, exactly. Don Meehan. It was Don Meehan's firm. He worked there. And uh, his job was to just, you know, he was in, he was an intern, you know, not yeah. a crazy job, but prepare packages, you know, send it out to GMs, appending US UFAs or whatever. And he told me, he goes, every GM, they'll communicate to you by email or like they'll email someone and they'll redirect yeah. them to me. And then I'm sending stuff off, whatever it may be. He told me once, uh, I think it was James that he was interested. The, James Neal was a UFA and <laughs> and uh, the receptionist calls uh, calls my friend. And this, this is like my yeah. friend at this point, you know, like now we're 27. It's like we're kind of all on the cusp of adulthood. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, you know, at this point, he must have been 23. And the receptionist calls me and goes, Lou Lamorello's on line two for you. And he goes, for me? I'm like, <laughs> what? And, yeah. and he's like, and he's like, She's like, yeah. And then like he like gives a look over to, you know, one of the partners of the firm and he's like, answer the phone. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, hello, uh, Mr. So-and-so, uh, nice, to, uh, nice to talk to you. Uh, just can you fax over uh, that, that pamphlet you had on uh, James Steele? Everything's done through email. He's like, can you fax it over to me? Just, I always find that so funny. Well, he's, he's 81 years old, Lamorello. And when the Islanders were here in, I guess it was December, <clears throat> after the game, I was riding the elevator down to the locker rooms. He was in the elevator with us. Mm-hmm. And he looks like he's 60. I mean, he looks... 20 years younger than he is. He's in great shape. Yeah. And I was asking and telling Larry, I talked with Larry Robinson about it. And he's joked. He said, you know, this is when I was in New Jersey, we all used to joke that there was actually eight lose. He said, because you'd be in the office, you'd have a meeting with them and you'd leave and you'd walk around the corner and you look at another office and there was another meeting and Lou was in that one too. And he says, it's like, he says like, you, or you'd be sitting around and having a coffee, running the coffee machine, having a coffee and somebody would sort of, make a joke about Lou and you turn around and he was right there. to <laughs> say there's like eight Lou Lamorellos walking around the building. He said he's everywhere. And he's 81. He's still going strong and good for him. You know, as Larry said to me, he said, he's, he's, he loves what he does. And as he said to Larry, what else am I going to do? And you know, Larry made a good point. He says, you know, he says, I've seen a lot of people in life who do something they love. And then when they stop it, next thing you know, they're in the ground. And so Lou Lamorello loves his job, loves what he does. Um, you know, I'm talking with Larry. I said, you know, do you miss being in the game yourself? And he said, I do. He says, but I just can't do the travel anymore. He says, I can't get home at three in the morning and get up and go back to the rink again at seven o'clock. And Larry's younger than Lou, but Lou's still, Lou's still going strong. He's, he, he loves it. He's passionate about it. 
and at 81 and and good for him as i said he looks 20 years younger than he is so he takes care of himself and uh he's got a long history and as i said that you can see why he would be uh, a father type figure to larry robinson and i think he can be the same thing for patrick Waugh. yeah and you know you know we talk so much about uh uh, Martin Saint Louis, we've t- we've we've talked about him being like a hockey junkie, eighty-one mm-hmm. years old, oh, yeah. still running yeah. a team. Like oh, you yeah. are a absolute hockey junkie. Oh yeah, you you really cannot get enough of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he loves what he does. Good for him. Yeah, that's it. You know, and listen, as long as it keeps working for him, if he could still do the job, you could do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back to the Canadians. Uh, one player who you know, it's pretty amazing. After all we've talked about him this season, after all the criticism he's he's taken, like he's not bulletproof anymore, because um, there's a segment of the fan base that's you know kind of not fed up, but uh, you know had enough with the high expectations and him falling short. Is uh, Cole Caulfield? You know, for all the flack he's taken this year, oh, he might not be healthy. Mm-hmm. He might not be this. He might not be that. Guys on pace for a 65 point season, on pace for 30 goals. And that's without a fully healthy shoulder. Pretty amazing the turnaround he's had. And, you know, we talk so much about goal scorers being streaky. You know, Pat Hickey has that famous line where if you score 30 goals, you got 52 that you didn't score. Yeah. It's pretty amazing to see uh, the way he's been playing these days. Yeah, well, at least 52 that you didn't score. That's if you only score one goal a game. And the thing that's also surprising about Caulfield this year, he hasn't scored more than one goal in any game. And, uh, you know, goal scorers are streaky, and he's an example of that. And uh, I think it's nine goals now in the last 14 games. Um, he's the Cole Caulfield we saw last season when everything he shot seemed to go in. And, uh, you know, Marty St. Louis said it many times, you know, I'm not going to teach Cole Caulfield how to score goals, and he's going to keep scoring goals. He's just got to learn different ways to score them. And we've seen that a little bit. You know, we've seen him score a goal on a rebound, standing in the dirty area in front of the net. Uh, we've seen him score high far side shooting instead of his regular high low side shot that he likes so much. Um, I mean, the goal he scored last night, that was just a beautiful. I mean, Unbelievable. Uh, you know, people talk about his shot so much, but he's in a really good stick handler too. He's got really mm-hmm. quick hands. And we saw that in the, the play where he set up Solkowski for a goal recently where he turned the blade of his stick around the, the other way and batted the puck out of midair from behind the net, right in front of the net for a pass for Solkowski. So he's – Cole Caulfield's going to score goals. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. And like most goal scorers, he's streaky, and he's he's on a really good streak right now. And uh, we'll see how that continues. And, and you're right. I mean, it looks like now, you know, people are talking about oh, he'd be lucky if he scores 20 goals. He's made only scored 15 goals. And as you said, he's he's. I'm, I'd be surprised right now if he if he doesn't score 30 goals. You know, he's got the 16 and uh, almost half a season left to go. So um, the shooting percentage earlier in the season was down like 6.5 percent, which is crazy for a guy with a shot like his and it's evening off now and uh, again i mean i'd be so i'd be really surprised if he doesn't score the least 30 goals well that's it you know and he's on pace to score uh to shoot the puck on net you know just over 300 times no, right among um, the shots and, and that and it, that'll be the same every like he's he's not afraid to shoot the puck you know you watch your Slavkowski in the press box and you're almost yelling shoot you know he won't shoot yeah. the puck Cole Caulfield shoots the puck you don't need to worry about that so that's it because so you know just looking at uh he's he averages a 12.7 for his career he's at three percent lower so the goals are still going to be coming like that like it's the law of averages it's just going to average out um so good for cole caulfield because you know that's a player that you want to see succeed just sign that big contract there's so much potential about him and i i really like that he's finding these different ways to score goals. It's the same thing with Yuri Slavkovsky, finding <clears throat> different ways. Like Yuri Slavkovsky, we've seen him rip the puck, and this season, more often, more often than not, uh, all of it, well, all six, uh, it's not a crazy amount, but he's playing better now, as we know. His goals are coming from standing in that dirty area in front of the net and, you know, tipping one home, one hitting off his leg. They don't ask how, they ask how many. Yeah. So Cole Caulfield is, uh, he, he's starting to come alive. Well, he and has come alive. He's on an eight-game point streak. Yeah, how many? I mean, how many people thought Jonathan Kovacevic would be tied with Yuri Slavkovsky in goals? <laughs> they, both, they, they, they both got six goals. But with with Caulfield, and uh, Ken Hughes touched on this in his midseason news conference, one of the things Hughes really likes about Caulfield is even when he wasn't scoring, 
he was still that happy-go-lucky guy every day at the rink. Like he's the, mm. the the energy in that locker room. He's like the energizer, buddy. You see him; he's always happy. He's always smiling. He's always joking around. He's having a good time, and he, he brightens up every room he walks into. Um, and that's important in a long season, right? You got a guy who comes in there, and the players, his teammates, love him. Uh, the guys who have kids, their kids love him. You know, it's uh, it, it's you know, he's you know that video they did last year when Paul Byron's son was in the, took part in the skills competition, and there's a Canes put out a video of Caulfield sitting beside him in the locker room and joking with him and teasing him a little bit, and he's just he's a fun guy to be around, Cole Caulfield, and he's as Ken you said, he's like that whether he's scoring or he's not scoring, and that's important. He doesn't get down on himself. He doesn't sulk. I mean, I think he knows he's going to score, like yeah. He, not scoring in the back of his mind he has that confidence that i'm going to score it's going to start happening and um i asked him about it recently when he was slumping a little bit just sort of coming out of the slump and he said you know last year it seemed like everything i shot went in and this year it's not he says but they're gonna you know if i keep shooting they're gonna start going in and that's that's a great mentality that's a mentality you want a goal scorer to have right just keep shooting and as you said eventually the odds will even out he's not a 6.5 percent Shooter, right? Cole Coffee is not a six point five percent shooter. He's, you know, he's double that. So uh, now the percentage is is moving up, and the puck's going in. Well, that's it. You you even look. So I'm looking right now at the shot leaders um, in the NHL. He ranks tenth yeah. in shots on goal, and every single person above him is in double digit shooting percentage you know mm-hmm. obviously like we're not going to talk goals because it's yeah. nathan mckinnon nikita kucherov i don't yeah. think anyone would put uh would put him at their level however they're all above him in shots and they all have double digits in in yeah. the shooting percentage he's the only one in the top 10 that's in single digits at 9.6 right now so it's up from the 6.5 but it's still only a 9.6 Again, three percentage points away from uh, from his norm, and that would put him at the same percentage point as Philip Forsberg, as uh, yeah. you know, higher than William Nylander, uh, just about the same as David Pasternak, who's who's leading, who leads the league in shots. So it's a good thing, like you said, that he he's one of those players that it's it won't affect him, and he's going to keep shooting as long as he's shooting. You don't have to worry about Cole Caulfield. When he stops shooting the puck, that's when you got to worry about him. Yeah, and I, I think he had become a little predictable, as I mentioned earlier. Like he, especially on the power play, it was always that sort of one-timer high short side, and you would see goalies coming across and getting their shoulder up and saving it. And you know, I tweeted during a few games that you know he's too predictable. He's got to shoot different places. I'll tell you a sort of funny little story. So after he uh, scored the power play goal against Colorado, I think it was, and he went high far side. And uh, the goalie looked like he was surprised by it. it like, you know, you'd see him sort of go after it went in. And after the game, I, uh, I was talking with Caulfield, and I said, uh, you know, you have a tendency to shoot high, short side. You look like you caught the goalie by surprise there going the other way. And he sort of smiles and says, yeah, he says, I saw your tweet and I decided I'd shoot far side instead, which is, you know, I, 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 I did it for you. So I sort of laughed. I said, well, Cole, you're supposed to say you don't read anything that we write or tweet. And he laughed about that. But I mean, seriously, though, I think he I think he had become too predictable. And, you know, there's scouts, advanced scouts. And, you know, if I'm noticing that from the press box, guys who are paid money to professionally scout guys are noticing that also. So I think he's become a little bit less predictable. Um, and where he shoots and how he scores and where he goes to the thing. And that's Marty St. Louis talked about that a lot. Like he's got to get to the inside more, which is difficult for a guy his size, but he's doing it. You know, as I said, the, the one goal he scored recently, a rebound uh, standing right in front of the net, he whacked it in. So um, the, again, just not be so predictable where he shoots. Um, I think he would catch goalies by surprise a lot last season with that high short side. Uh, not so much now, uh, but the way he shoots the puck. And, and you know, speaking with Ken Hughes after his midseason news conference, and he said another problem with Cole when he wasn't scoring, he was missing the net a lot. And he'd get a lot of good scoring chances and miss the net. So, you know, that factors into it also uh, uh, when it comes to goal scoring. So he's hitting the net more now. He's being a little less predictable, and the puck's going in for him. So last topic uh, before we get you out of here. Um, topical because the Canadians play the team of a player we're about to talk about. And listen, I like to get, I like to have fun uh, with trade talk, but I like to also be realistic. 
sometimes it's hard to imagine something being realistic, but hey, uh, Sidney Crosby, he, uh, he's on pace for his first 50 goal season. This is unbelievable. It's crazy. I, it's crazy, I literally yeah. just looked. First 50 goal season since the 2009 2010 season. He hasn't yeah. scored 50 goals. It's the only time he scored 50 goals in the NHL. Yeah. Um, on pace to do it again. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are whittling away uh, in the standings. You know, they're they're right around where the Canadians are. They got four games in hand on the Canadians, but uh, I, I think it'd be tough. It, it's going to be very tough for them to make the make the playoffs. Crosby is scoring at will. He's got two years left on his contract. Um, is there a world this season or next season? Probably not this season. Maybe not. Um, that you could see Sidney Crosby being traded as a rental. I mean, the guy, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about being a penguin for life. But hey, yeah. Raymond Borica was a Bruin for life until he wasn't a Bruin. So Yeah, but that, that was also... A- Bork's choice. I mean, he wanted to get traded to go somewhere where he could win a Stanley Cup. I don't know if Sidney Crosby is going to be the same way, uh, but it's true. I mean, he's got 26 goals this season. He had 33 last season. Um, he's, uh, you know, and he's 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 36 years old. Um, he grew up as a Canadians fan. He loved the Canadians. His dad was drafted by the Canadians. Uh, so, you know, but he want to finish his career playing for the Canes. The Canadians one was part of the rebuild. You can't imagine a team not wanting Sidney Crosby. Um, but I'd be surprised if the Penguins traded Sidney Crosby. I think he's the guy they keep for life, and then he moves into probably a management role afterwards or ambassador role along with Mario Lemieux. I'd be very surprised to see him leave. But speaking about Crosby, you know, I wrote a column yesterday about Mike Matheson, and uh, I'm not comparing Mike Matheson to Sidney Crosby apart from the age factor. So. You know, a lot of Canadians fans are like, got to trade Mike Matheson. He's 29. He's going to be done by the time the Canadians get to where they want to be in this rebuild. He has too many giveaways. He has this. The thing that Sidney Crosby and Mike Matheson have in common is that they're hockey freaks. They live, breathe, sleep, eat hockey. They train. Everything they do, everything they eat, everything they do is about playing hockey. And, you know, I was speaking with Matheson about it yesterday, and he said, you know, it's about sleep. It's about diet. It's about training in the gym. It's about um, you know, taking a day off when you need one. He took a therapy day this day, this week from practice. And that's something that Matheson has in common with Sidney Crosby. And that's why, like, Mike Matheson is far from being finished. Like, I could see Mike Matheson playing at 35 years old and still being effective. That's why I, I would not be in a rush if I was Ken Hughes to try and trade uh, Mike Matheson. But Sidney Crosby is a case of a guy who takes care of his body, loves the hockey, eats, sleeps, drinks hockey, and that's why at age 36, he can still be doing what he does. And he's also, one of the things I've always admired about Sidney Crosby is not only was he the most talented guy on the ice, he was also the hardest working guy on the ice. Like his work ethic is up there like with Brendan Gallagher and guys like that. He, with all the skill he has, nobody works harder on the ice than Sidney Crosby. I've always admired that about him. And it's pretty cool to see a guy at his age. And say, imagine Sidney Crosby scoring 50 goals as a 36-year-old guy, at the same time when we're seeing Alex Ovechkin sort of fall off a little bit. And Alex Ovechkin was not always the hardest working guy on the ice, right? And maybe not so much off the ice either. But for Sidney Crosby, um, it's nice to see what he's doing, uh, but I would be really surprised if he does not end his career as as a Pittsburgh Penguin. Yeah, you know, it's maybe it's just me seeing all these other sports where superstars move at the drop of a hat. Well, Wayne Gretzky uh, can be traded, yeah. right? Anybody can get traded, but <laughs> well, that's it. Well, that's the famous line, right? But it's just, yeah. you'd have to think for a guy like Crosby, like he loves winning, you know, yeah. he was, he was meant to be winning Stanley cups. And man, I think this is like the first time since, you know, uh, well, really, he hasn't dealt with this his whole career where he's like firing on all cylinders car- while well, carrying the team on his back and they're still falling short. Like that's like that's like his rookie season. They fell short of the playoffs and then they started becoming yeah. – they became the dynasty that they became. Like I, I don't know. I think it would just be a fun – it would be so good for the sport to see a big player like that move because it never happens in hockey and it would just be it would be incredible like maybe it's me you know projecting wishful thinking to the NHL yeah. 
but it makes sense, right? I mean, well, then with Sidney Cross, you know, he lived with Mario Lemieux for I don't know how many years when he first started uh, in the NHL. And you know, Mario played his entire career in Pittsburgh and never yeah. left. And I think you know, the Crosby obviously idolizes Mario and was groomed by Mario in the NHL. Uh, so I think he'll follow the same career path as Mario and, and retire as a Penguin. But the thought of him playing somewhere else, the thought of Sidney Crosby playing for the Canadians, like thinking, I want to finish my career playing for the team I grew up cheering for, that would be pretty awesome. But again, I don't think that'll happen. Okay, last 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 thing, because it's it's just unbelievable what he's been doing. I promise the last thing. It's a guy from the same city as him, Nathan McKinnon. I mean, oh, oh. my God. This, this guy is like single-handedly carrying my fantasy hockey team. <laughs> to, yeah. And it's just like it's amazing to watch. There four oh. goals in uh, – four goals, one assist the other night, a, a hat trick in seven minutes. Just – Unbelievable. I'm talking about you know Mike Matson and Sidney Crosby living and eating and breathing hockey. Nathan McKinnon is the exact same way. When the Avalanche were in town there earlier this month, um, I was interviewing McKinnon in the, after the morning skate, and he was in the locker room. He just had on one of those sort of tight undershirt things that the guys wear after, under their equipment. And I looked at him, and I thought to myself, I've never seen a phys- an athlete in better physical condition ever. Like he is ripped. Like you can see, even with a t-shirt, you can see the definition of every muscle on this guy. You can see the six pack. You can see like I went, I went like all these guys are in great shape, but like this is at another level. Like I've never seen an athlete in better shape than Nathan McKinnon. I was like, wow. And then I was chatting with Adam Nicholas, uh, Canadian's uh, development coach, a little while. And I mentioned it to him, and he said, oh, yeah, he said, this guy that's like diet and he has his own chef and he has this and he has that and he, that's all he it's hockey 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 and you know when they were playing at the bell center it's like he has jets in his skates like he just he takes <laughs> off and nobody can catch him and he shoots and and there was a game i think it was last season when uh colorado was in town i was at the morning skate yep. and mckinnon came on the ice he was the first guy on the ice and he had a bucket of pucks and he's just skating around casually. He picked up a puck and he came over the blue line and he fired a puck top corner, like just under the bar. Bing. <laughs> and then he went around, he picked up another puck and he did it again. And then he, and he, he must have shot 12 pucks and everyone went the exact same spot, just under the crossbar, hitting like the top of the netting. And I was like, wow. And this, he's on the ice all by himself, like shot after shot after shot. It's sort of like watching an NBA guy making three pointers at practice, right? Yeah. One after another after another. And I was looking at him going, oh my God. But when the, they were in town, just seeing him in the room, like, wow. I've never, as again, I've never seen an athlete in any sport in better physical condition. And the way he skates and compete, like we we're saying, you know, Sidney Crosby, hardest working guy on the ice, Nathan McKinnon, same thing, the skill, the talent, the, the work ethic. Uh, I mean, what a hockey player. Like, people in Colorado get to watch him every night. What a treat. He's just such a – and and determined and uh, uh, compete level. That's one thing Marty St. Louis said he likes most about Mike Matheson is his compete level, the way he competes all the time. And Nathan McKinnon, boy, what a hockey player that guy is. And and just – and, you know, look what he's done with Jonathan Drouin since Jonathan Drouin got there. Mm-hmm. And Drouin, when I saw Drouin in the locker room, he looked – not that Drouin was out of shape in Montreal. You can't be out of shape and play in the NHL. But he looked – in better shape than he was here. So him and McKinnon are buddies. So I don't know if McKinnon's chef is cooking for uh, Jonathan also, or if uh, McKinnon's dragging him to the gym with him or just rubbing off on him the way that he works. But Nathan McKinnon, uh, again, when he was in Montreal there recently, I was like, I was so impressed um, just seeing him off the ice and, and then seeing the way he plays on the ice I and mean, the way he can skate. He's just a, he's a complete hockey player. Well, what was it this summer, this past summer or last summer, or two summers ago, sorry, that uh, the report, the some report came out that the guy hasn't touched like a grain of sugar, yeah. in, like his whole life, basically. Like it, it shows the guys, oh, the guys, the guys, the guys an apple. It's crazy. You know, he does the Tim Hortons ads. I'm sure he's never had a donut in his life. <laughs> he's probably no, that's it. You know, like they try like, ah, oh, Nathan, come yeah. on, you got to try it. You're in the commercial. <laughs> hockey players love their coffee. I'm sure he's had some coffee, but again, it's like you know, he has his own chef. He has, uh, he, he's. You know, you're talking LeBron James. Um, you know, my son's a huge basketball fan. He was telling me he read a story about how much money LeBron James spends every year on his like personal trainers and chefs. Like it's, it's millions to keep his body in shape. And uh, Nathan McKinnon, it's, it's everything he does, everything, every piece of food he puts in his mouth, everything he puts in his body, everything he does is all about hockey. It's you know, it's, it's he's he's driven. Uh, and and it shows when you watch him play. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just the some of the athletes in the NHL is just unbelievable. And the craziest thing is, leading or he's tied or leading or second in the NHL in scoring only to Nikita Kucherov, who seems yeah. like he gets three points every game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's having such an amazing year, Nathan McKinnon, on pace for 140 points. Even if he hits that, it would still fall short of last year's Connor McDavid, 153. It's unbelievable yeah. the talent yeah. that there is in the NHL. It's it really, really is, and it keeps coming. You look, Connor, but all right, you have more and more, and it's going to continue because you have all these kids who are, you know, if you're a good hockey player when you're nine years old, that's all you do is play hockey, right? You go to summer camps, you go to stick handling camps, you go to strength camps, you go to. Uh, I was reading a story recently, which NHL player his parents hired a, hired a sports psychologist for him when he was like 11. You know, it's like it's. The, there's so much money involved and these kids just uh, you know you're gonna see more and more of Nathan McKinnon types where it's hockey 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 from a very young age and we end up with players the Sidney Crosby's the Connor McDavid's and Nathan McKinnon's excuse me the Connor Bedard's um that's good for hockey I mean superstars sell any sport right that's one of the things that we talk about the NBA which makes the NBA so popular is superstars same with the NFL superstars it's uh uh, and the NHL now with uh, there's a lot there's a lot in the league now and there's gonna be more coming. Yeah, it's just it's very exciting, it's very exciting. And hey, Canadians fans, tune in. Tune in to, to, <laughs> that's it. You know, tune it. Tune into tomorrow night because you know, like, listen, it's hard to imagine the NHL without Sidney Crosby. Yeah. It's gonna happen. It's so happening tomorrow night. To watch it, play. And and like watching him tomorrow night for like. Fans watch it like don't just watch the skill like watch how hard he works, oh, how yeah. good he is along the boards. He wins puck battles. It's almost impossible to get the puck off. He's just such a a good hockey player. And from everything I've, you read about him and hear about him, a good person. I, I did a I'll tell you a quick story. I did a story a few years ago uh, back home in Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia, right? But the uh, there was somebody who put a um, uh, after they won the cup, a guy outside his house. He knew that where Crosby's cottage is. He drives by his house every day. So he put a big board outside and he put Crosby's sweater and he wrote, Sid, please sign my sweater. And he left it up there for, I mean, if it was in Montreal, the sweater would have been stolen right after. (laughs) He left it up there. He'd take it in at night and he was hoping Crosby would see the sweater and stop and sign it. So uh, a couple of days went by, five days went by and nothing. He's okay. So he took the sign down and he brought it in and the guys at work one day, and uh, there's a knock at the door, and his wife just came out of the pool. She's wearing her bathing suit. She goes to the door. She opens the door. It's Sidney Crosby at the door. <laughs> what happened to the sweater? And she's like, her face drops. She couldn't talk. She was speechless. And then the daughter comes running to the door, and the daughter sees Sidney Crosby, and she almost falls on the floor. And not only did he show up at the door, he had a Sharpie with him. Oh, man, that's so, awesome. If you Google Crosby and sweater, whatever my name, you'll find it online. And so Crosby goes in. And he signs the sweater and like he has a cup of coffee with the wife and the wife phones her husband at work and says, you're not going to believe who's at the house. And he's like, "Ooh, it's Sidney Crosby. He's like, come on. No, no, no. Oh, he wants to talk to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Crosby gets on the phone and says, yeah, I saw your sweater. I'm just here signing it. And the guy's like, is this a joke or what's going on? So anyway, so Crosby spent the sign the sweater and he got back in his car and he drove to the cottage. So that's, that's uh, you know the type of guy Sidney Crosby is, and there was That's another awesome. one column I wrote. There was a it was during the bye week a few years ago, and Crosby and his girlfriend went to Mont Tremblant. Mm-hmm. And most people go somewhere sunny, right? Hockey players in the yeah. the Mont Tremblant with his girlfriend. So this kid's on the uh, outdoor rink in Mont Tremblant. Shows up at the outdoor rink, like an eighteen year old, seventeen year old kid who was playing junior B at the time, and he gets on the ice and he's skating around. It's just him and one other guy on the ice. And he looks over and he goes, "That looks like Sidney Crosby." And so the kid's shooting pucks, and then he looks over, and he goes, are you Sidney Crosby? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. So they spent the game, so they spent like an hour, Crosby was doing drills, and he needed somebody to pass him the puck and do something. So the kid did drills on an outdoor rink in Mont Tremblant with Sidney Crosby during the bye week in the NHL schedule. You know, during, it's a, it's such and a good thing. After that, on the road, I saw Chris Latang. In the locker, I was talking with Chris Latang. I said, Did you hear about Crosby? But he said, Yeah, yeah, I saw that. He says, Were you surprised? He says, I surprised, like, who brings their skates with them on the bye week? <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> so it just shows you another thing about Sidney Crosby that he actually, you know, the, the one about stopping to sign the sweater and like during a bye week, Sidney Crosby's doing drills on an outdoor rink in Mont Tremblant. 
Well, it's you know, it's funny because the first time it's like a lot of the times, like uh, you know, everyone will say, "Oh, cell phones—they're horrible. They're horrible. They're this." Yeah. And that. that that kid is probably thanking the Lord that cell phones exist because yeah. if you tell Nobody that would story it. without Nobody photo would evidence. It, right? like, it's like, are you out of your mind? No way. Yeah. No, that's yeah, yeah, right. Sidney Crosby skated on the outdoor rink with you in Mont Tremblant during the bye week. Yeah, good one. Yeah, buddy. exactly. <laughs> it, it happened. It definitely happened. That's unbelievable. Anyway, so the Canadians head to Pittsburgh tomorrow night uh, to play Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. Stu, I know you'll be watching, so enjoy yeah. the game and uh, thank you for joining me as you always do on Fridays. All right, have a good weekend. Enjoy the football too. Thank you, Stu. And uh, so that's Stu Cowan. I'm Matt O'Han. Programming note, uh, I'm away for the next two Fridays. I will not be here on February 2nd and February 9th. Don't worry, though. I will be back on the 16th. I think that's a Friday if my math is correct. So uh, Tony's filling in for me as I did for him when he was in Portugal. I'll be in Seattle and Florida. So uh, until then, I'll catch you uh, in about a month's time, in about two weeks' time. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.